Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. If you're lost, you can look and you will find me time after time. If you fall, I will catch you. I will be waiting time after time. Time after time. <laughs> we rarely harmonize, but we did it that time. Yeah, we did it. That time. All right. That time after up? time. It's time. Uh, mark off the timestamp for those of you that hate it and comment below because the show is beginning. How's it going, everybody? Oh, hello. You're watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. It's time for part two of our M21 set review good thing we split this into two parts because part one ended up being an hour and a half 90 minutes oh my lord we got through the shrines we got through the new planeswalkers and then we did the green and white cards which means we have blue cards red cards black cards multicolor cards artifact cards and land cards to discuss today so there's plenty to get through but before we start don't forget cardkingdom.com slash command zone m21 right on the horizon obviously, because we're talking about it. You can pre-order all that stuff right now so that you'll have it the weekend that it all comes out. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a bunch of cards in this set. For a core set, there's a lot more stuff for Commander than normal. A lot of stuff you want. Of course, Jumpstart, also right around the corner. Double Masters coming up. Ikoria, C20. There's tons of stuff that's come out in the last just like couple of months. So if you're like us... I mean, I'm assuming you're like this, Jimmy. There's still a ton of stuff I haven't got my hands on. Nope. So cardkingdom.com slash command zone. You're going to buy that stuff anyway. Just use that affiliate link when you do. Well, one thing I really like to do when I'm on cardkingdom.com slash command zone is just scroll through their singles, scroll through what they have. And a lot of times stuff catches me off guard. I'm like, oh, right. We talked about that card. Jeez, it feels like a year ago now. But yeah, I meant to get it. Yeah, here we go. I'll buy a copy now. Oh, they have a foil, whatever it is. And also... Cardkingdom.com slash command zone has a lot of Ultra Pro products, and Ultra Pro is definitely having a field day because there is so much new stuff, so much great art. All of the sort of showcase frames in those cards that are special in Ikoria, Double Masters, and all that, they're coming with alternate art versions. We look at a wall scroll that's sitting behind us every single day here on the set. So there's tons of really great products, and Ultra Pro is the number one place to get it because it's high quality, it's durable, it's going to last you a long time, and more importantly, it's protecting everything you need, and Josh and I trust it. We've been using it for five plus years. You can buy a lot of their uh, folios and stuff on cardcam.com slash command zone, or you know, if you're just at your local LGS or a big box retailer, they have some stuff there as well is just online so please take our word for it ultra pro is the way to go yeah they are the best and uh also people that are the best are our patrons that's the final way to support all of our content if you go to patreon.com slash command zone you can contribute directly to our stuff and you get all kinds of perks like hanging out with jimmy and i on our discord each and every day you also get to see game nights which is coming up very very soon a day earlier than the general public yeah so we have our m21 um episode on the horizon you're not going to want to miss that patreon.com slash command zone and we also shout out one lucky patron every single episode and this episode is dedicated to jaden holly jaden you rock all right let's get into this m21 set review part two so if you haven't listened to part one you might want to go do that first uh, Although I guess, I guess they don't have to. Yeah, the, right? I guess, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't really matter which order you do. Also, we did all the new legendary creatures, all the new commanders in another separate video. So this is like a three-part set review now. So if you're looking for legendary creatures, we're not going to talk about those today. You got you need to find that video, which yeah. is two episodes ago. 
Okay, let's um, talk about, well, let's just jump back into the colors here. We did green and white, so blue is up next. I had an interesting idea for this, Josh. Okay. Because blue's your favorite color, yes. and red's my favorite color, yes. let's see if we can guess how the other person thinks about these cards, and then we'll talk about them normally. Okay, sure. Okay, sure. <laughs> All right, so the first one up is one that's making the headlines. It's Discontinuity. It's three blue, blue, blue for an instant, and it says, as long as it's your turn, this spell costs two blue, blue less to cast. So it actually reduces the mana cost from three blue, blue, blue to one in a blue. And the card just says, end the turn. So to specify what that means, exile all spells and abilities from the stack, including this card. The player whose turn it is discards down to their maximum hand size, damage wears off, and this turn and until end of turn effects end. So... This is a card. Yeah, this is a time stop sundial of the infinite effect. Okay, well let's let's see you predict how what I think about this card. Uh, I think I think Josh really likes this card. This card is really powerful because of the modal ability. You're, there's two ways to cast it. One in the blue on your own turn to end your own turn is an effect that you sometimes want to do. And Josh, or I guess me, put out a video talking about Rune of the uh, of the Hidden Realm. Hidden Realm. I was going to say of the Fomori, but that's Ruhan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I think this card works well with those types of effects as well, right? Yeah, I mean, we talked about how with Rune, there's now kind of a loophole in the system where you can exile somebody's commander permanently if they kind of make the wrong choice. This can do that. There's also a ton of just general usage. You're right. I like this card a lot. The fact that you can get this effect so cheaply because time stop is sort of the closest equivalent to this, right? And that's five mana? Six mana. Six mana? Same cost, but it's only two blue pips, so it's quote-unquote easier to cast. Right, it's three blue-blue, right? Or Or sorry, four blue-blue. Right, right, right. And, but... You know, you often do use uh, this effect on your own turn because you're doing shenanigans with it. Like, um, I guess for people that don't understand this effect, what you're looking for is uh, cards that say they do something and then at end of turn, they have their downside. So like... Exile it or do whatever, yeah. Yeah, so like Geist of St. Traft creates uh, an angel and then at end of turn, you sacrifice it or whatever. Until end of turn, that the, the time stop discontinuity stuff doesn't do anything about. So if you giant growth your thing and then you end the turn it doesn't stay with plus three plus three forever right uh but if you you know if you do the geist of saint Traff thing uh, you keep the angel forever because that's an at end of turn thing right. so uh yeah what are some other cards that we like here jimmy the big thing to me is like outside of the end of turn shenanigans which i love sneak attack is a card that works very well with it oh, uh, sneak attack is so good with you the, keep them you keep the cards so just cast all those things for one mana each yeah uh it, discontinuity says exile all spells and abilities from the stack so josh for instance you played the earl of Tit- titan of nature's wrath and this is a card that when you cast it uh when it enters the battlefield sacrifice it unless it escaped which is an alternative cost you pay from your graveyard however with that ability on the stack you can cast discontinuity and boom your earl sticks around yep yeah uh, you can even order it i believe in a way that the two t- triggers happen right earl comes in you draw a card gain three life put a land on the battlefield then you put the other thing on the second, and then in response to that, you hold priority and discontinuity and keep row around. Yeah, exactly. You saw me doing this um, with Crystal Shard, like responding to those two triggers. You right. could respond to the two triggers and end the turn, keep Uro. Uh, you put fetch lands down here. So this, <laughs> oh, is a me- this is so mean. This is a mean thing you can do to people, which is they fetch, boom, sack the thing, and then you end the turn in yeah. between the, when the trigger's on the stack. That's oh. that's It's like stifling. Uh, Rune of the right, Hidden, right. Hidden Realm, we talked about exiling things. Uh, you've got Cedrus the Traitor King on here. Right. Unearth is an ability that says return the tr- creature card to the battlefield. It gains haste and then exile it at the beginning of the next end step, or if it will leave the battlefield. Discontinuity just gets rid of all those triggers and says, nope, it's actually not getting exiled. Um, Myriad is a good mechanic with right. um, 
and the turn effects because the it creates tokens that go away at the end of combat. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you cast all your spells you want to pre-combat main phase, leave enough open for discontinuity, go to attacks, let's say you have Blade of Selves on something, that creates a token copy of that creature attacking each of your opponents, and then... Depending, you could even do this before blocks if they could block and kill the thing, or you can do it after the damage is done. After the damage is done, trigger goes on the stack to exile those tokens, and you go, end the turn, I'm going to keep those tokens forever. Right, if it's not like a profitable attack, but you just want two or three more copies of a really good creature. Yeah, or you get ETB effects on it or whatever. Also, there are creatures that just natively have Myriad, so you could use this with those. We can't possibly go through... Oh, wait, I want to go through one more. The final fortunes of the world, Jimmy. Oh, yes, that's right. Cards that say if you uh, take an extra turn, then at the end of that turn, you lose the game. Right. No, no, well, that's thanks. an at the end of turn trigger, the lose the game <laughs> part. And you go, okay, well, I'm going to end the turn before I would lose the game. Yeah, you're exiling that ability. It's on the stack. You're like, nah, no thanks. And and we should be clear that, yeah, for those effects, you need to wait until the trigger goes on the stack and then end the turn. Because otherwise, it'll want to put that trigger on the stack sometimes at the beginning of the next end step. Or like, right, yeah. like Rune, you have to wait till that trigger to bring the thing back goes on the stack and then end the turn. Otherwise, it'll bring it back on the, you know, Jimmy's right, turn. the next end step. Um, so anyway, these are really cool effects, and the fact that this only costs two mana on your turn, I think it it makes it better than Time Stop. Certainly. Uh, Outside by the, quite a bit. Yeah, the only thing that's holding it back is that there's three blue pips. But, so it's like one more blue, even in the worst case scenario, and that's not even that bad. Yeah. And uh, we're going to find it in a second here. Well, we'll get to it in about three cards. Holding <laughs> up six mana is not going to be the worst thing for you. No, in general, I think blue has a pretty darn good time holding up just mana in general. So let's uh, move on to the next one here. You want to read this one? Okay, this is Ghostly Pilferer. <laughs> it's one in a blue for a two-one. Spirit Rogue. When it becomes untapped, you may pay two generic mana. If you do, draw a card. Okay. So uh, it's inspired, right? That's the inspired mechanic? Oh, yeah, right. When it becomes untapped, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then it says, whenever an opponent casts a spell from anywhere other than their hand, draw a card. Hmm. So the Kess decks and the Carador decks of the world, the yeah. Muldrotha decks of the world are yeah. giving you cards. And then it also says you can discard a card, colon, ghostly pilferer, can't be blocked this turn. So you can protect it knowing that you're going to get through, they can't block it, and it'll untap hopefully next turn, and you can draw that card to replace the one that you discarded. It costs you two mana to draw the card, so yeah. it's not the... I think you just said what Josh Lukai thinks about this card, which is it's not that amazing. Uh, I think it has a lot of utility, maybe in the right decks, but otherwise, unless you're facing a bunch of Madrolthas, you wouldn't be running this typically. Yeah, if you know your meta, and there's a lot of people casting things out of graveyards often, you got a Muldrotha, cast yeah. deck, you know, a Carador, that kind of stuff um, that's showing up in your meta often, then this might be worth it because it, it's likely to like get in once or twice early mm-hmm. maybe draw you a couple cards if you want to pay that mana and then maybe draw you a couple cards just incidentally off what people are doing right it is a free discard outlet so you could for instance discard every card in your hand to trigger this a bunch of times mm-hmm. uh, so there are some decks that want that I put down Tetsuko Umazawa who is a, a card one. that says creatures you control with power toughness one or less can't be blocked yep. so this is like a mono blue staxi type build you might build here and Ghostly Perfect just generates you a lot of value and it, you know it's not the most efficient draw engine but it will get the job done yeah that's the thing i'd say about this overall is if you're d- using the top part which is pay to draw a card even if it happy. didn't have could if it, even if it wasn't conditional and this one is because it has to untap right right uh it's still like not for blue 
If it was white, sure, but for blue, it's <laughs> if like... If it was white, I'd be we'd Two to draw a card is just, like, not great. It's yeah. not something you want to be doing. This is an interesting one. You put down Knowledge yeah. Pool. <laughs> knowledge Pool is a card that... Please don't play it, by the way. I, I it, it makes chaos happen. But with Ghostly Pilfer, very interesting. Six-mana artifact with imprints when Knowledge Pool enters the battlefield. Each player exiles the top three cards of their library. And whenever a player casts a spell from their hand, that player exile it, exiles it. If that player does, they may cast a spell from among other cards exile with Knowledge Pool without paying its mana cost. So that's going to draw you cards off Ghostly Puffer. But in general, this just causes mad mayhem and chaos around the table. And also, generally, the person who plays Knowledge Pool immediately locks everyone out with Teferi. There's a bunch of cards now that basically say right. your opponents can't cast spells without paying their mana cost and just means your opponents can't cast spells now. <laughs> uh, but it... As, as combos go, Ghostly P- Pilfer with Knowledge Pool is one of the nicer ones, right? You're just saying, yeah. no, no, I'm not going to lock you out of the game exactly. I'm just going to draw a lot of cards off of you. This may be one of the few ways that mono, white, and red get access to cards in other colors, really, is just casting Knowledge Pool and yeah. at six mana, being like, hey, who's got to cultivate off the top of their deck? I want it. <laughs> uh, uh, I was going to say Vehicles. If you have a deck with oh, that's yeah. touching blue and has a bunch of vehicles, that would be maybe be a way to get Ghostly Pilfer tapped uh, mm-hmm. without attacking with it. That you could, uh, you know, untap and pay two and draw two. Yeah, still not that great. I but think- but again, I think you only play it if they're casting a bunch of spells out of their graveyard in your meta, or they're you know casting a bunch of spells and uh, not not uh, from their hands. Yeah. And then you just also want to instantly have this other stuff. Like, you you still wouldn't even play it unless maybe I have a couple vehicles in this deck, too. And then I have, you know... Or you're a, a reanimator deck. You're yeah. playing Lazav the Multifarious. You want cards in your graveyard to be copied. Yada, yada. Yep. Um, yep. Very, very... A bit more niche, but also at the same time... I, I think this is, like, by the way, just a good power level for a blue card to have. Yeah. Nothing's busted about it. It addresses some problems in certain metas and has a valuable effect. And it gets out there early and can attack their Teferi if they play it, which is a thing, right? (laughs) How good are you at killing Teferi? Yeah. Actually, pretty good. Good job, Ghostly Pilfer. Actually, no one's really that good at killing Teferi. He still takes a couple of hits, but at least, you know, you start to help out. Unless he gets phased out of existence. But then that that basically did three damage to Teferi rather than Uh, two, right? Okay. All right. Good job, Ghostly Pilfer. (laughs) You you pilfered them. One damage. Okay. Next up is See the Truth, one in the blue for a sorcery. Look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of those cards into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order if this spell was cast from anywhere other than your hand put each of those cards into your hand instead so this could be a two mana draw three at sorcery speed compared to ghostly pilfer untap pay two, draw one clearly an upgrade however a lot of other times this is just a sorcery speed anticipate right what do you think i think about it uh i think josh thinks this card is actually pretty good you just got to be have the kind of deck that really empowers it to only like you you don't want to play this for two mana draw one look at three cards no you need the ability to cast it from your graveyard basically i mean it says from not graveyards from exile yeah but the most likely place you're going to cast it from that's not your hand is the graveyard yeah. so but i don't think you need a lot right if you just have a snapcaster maze or yeah. ma- maze mage and uh <laughs> And a Past in Flames in your deck. Underworld think, Breach, everyone's favorite new red enchantment. Yeah, I mean, if you have all three of those, Underworld Breach is so good with this, actually, because you can cast it over and over again. Oh my gosh, you're right. It just goes... <laughs> right? Because remember, Underworld Breach doesn't exile the card after you cast it, so it goes yeah. back to your graveyard, which you cast it again out of your graveyard by just exiling the cards. And so yeah. if your graveyard's big enough, this just pay two, draw three, pay two, draw three. If you even do that like th- twice, that's six cards for four mana. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, yeah. So that's really good with Underworld Breach. But I don't 
I don't think you need 50 of those effects. Well, obviously you wouldn't have that many, but you don't need five of those effects. You just need two, you know, Yawgmoth's uh, will, or mm -hmm. um, if you just have a couple, I think that's good enough value because this card is very low impact on your deck. You Even, might have a replaceable effect already in there that this is similar to. Like pay two, pick the best card out of your top three, it it's didn't like, hurt you much, even if you didn't never draw your Underworld Breach that game. Mm -hmm. And then the games where you do draw the Underworld Breach, it becomes insane. Right. So I don't think you need a ton of synergy with it before it's like playable. Yeah. Uh, my Paco and Haldan deck could mm -hmm. definitely play this because you can find ways to put this on top of your library. And when you exile it, when uh, Paco attacks, then boom, you can cast it from not your hand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, pretty interesting. You put on a card here we've never we haven't talked about much, but collected conjuring. Yeah, this I is, was like I had to look it up. I didn't remember what it did. Right, because there is collective co company. collected company, which yep. is all about creatures. This is the sorcery to a blue and a red version to exile the top six cards of your library. You may cast up to two sorcery spells. Sorcery, what? With converted mana cost three or less from among them without paying their mana cost. And then you put the exiled cards not cast this way on the bottom of your library in a random order. So this is like collected company, but way worse. And at sorcery speed and it can only hit sorceries. But it does hit see the truth. So and it, it casts it from not your hand. Yeah. So if you were looking to finally make collected conjuring work, congrats, you're a, a teeny bit close. See, I, I, the way I put would put that is if collected conjuring is already in your deck, mm -hmm. then that deck is a candidate that might want see the truth. Ah, good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a card we haven't talked about in years. I know. Helleva or Jaleva, Nephelia's Scourge. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, each player exiles the top X cards of their library, where X is the amount of mana to cast Helleva. Jaleva. Helleva. We call her Helleva, but it's been so long that we're not certain or confident that you will know that. So Yeah, it's and actually she created the nickname, too, yeah. on this show, which is another card we're going to be mentioning here in a second. <laughs> um, and then whenever Haleva attacks, you can cast an instant or sorcery from among those cards exile without paying its mana cost. So it's sort of like Turbo Mill yourself. This creature is a four mana, one, three flyer. You Generally in that in. deck, you want to be casting huge things, though, not yeah. little. You're not paying its mana truth, cost. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, cast. So the person who came up with the nickname for Haleva is Alex Kessler. So the next card we're going to talk about is Kess, Dissonant Mage, which Watsi was kind enough to give to Alex Kessler as, as a preview, a preview yeah. card. It wasn't so named after cool. him, but they're like, hey, you know. It's close enough. Why not? Yeah. Uh, so Kess, Dissonant Mage allows you to cast um, instants and sorceries out of your graveyard uh, one per turn. So see the truth, boom, becomes two, two mana, draw three. three. Pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, pretty sweet. Yeah. I and think this card is, is like low key pretty good. Yeah, it, it just works on both ends of it. You know, if you're doing the whole, like, test of, like, is it good this way, that way? It's, like, actually not bad this way and really good the other way. I mean, at its worst, it's just not very bad. Pay yeah. two, get some card selection. That's, like, almost a cantrip. Like, it's not it's not great. But then the fact that the upside is so big later on in the game, you're just, like, right. pay two, draw three. Jeez. And it certainly uh, is great until you compare it to this next card. Okay, so this next card is, yeah... Front well, runner. Oh, wait, no, you've got to guess how if I like it or not, so oh. here we go. <laughs> I don't think this is a tough one. The test... Uh, <laughs> this the, is going to really tax your give brain. Give me a gimme on this one. <laughs> All right. It's Sublime Epiphany. Some funky art on this thing. It, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of Days a little bit. The, the, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's four blue-blue for an instant. It says, choose one or more. So you can choose only one, or you can choose all of them, or you can choose three of these. It, wait, wait, there's more than three? So there's, what What do we say? There's 31 different combinations. 31. Because there's five different modes on this uh, card. And okay, again, you sure. can choose one or more, no not problem. just one or two or, okay. So it's you're, a sorcery, right? It's an instant. <laughs> Four blue, blue. So here's the five modes. Counter target spell, or counter target activated or triggered ability, uh, or 
return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Oh, boy. Or create a token that's a copy of target creature you control. Or target player draws a card. <laughs> so you're always drawing a card, right? Six mana instant draw one card. Worst case scenario. The worst case scenario. The worst thing this ever does, if the board's like completely empty, is counter a spell and you draw a card, right? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, everyone's favorite one blue, blue, blue cryptic command. Right. Which is harder to cast, but a little less mana, but, you know, close enough. But it also could bounce a non-land permanent. It, and it also could make a copy right. of one of your creatures. Cryptic command cannot do more than two. It also could just counter... A Planeswalker Ultimate, you know, a oh. Triggered Ability. It could counter a fetch land, like, you know, the mean thing we were talking about. Or Rune Returning a Creature. Right. But not just do that, but also draw you a card, count, you know, bounce something, mm -hmm. make a token of something. The fact that the... Oh, wait, no, you're supposed to guess if I like this card. Sorry, uh, Josh, uh, hi, I'm Josh. This card is clearly underpowered. <laughs> Wizards needs to do a lot more to really bring blue up to speed. And certainly creating a single spell that's better than every single red card printed, except for maybe Underworld Breach in the past two years. Nah, no prob. This card's nuts. Yeah, this is my uh, other candidate besides Teferi for best card in the set. You know, we always talk about how a nine mana expropriate can win the game. Do yeah. you think a six mana Sublime Epiphany has the ability to do that as well, just given how much it can do? Yeah, I think so, for sure. Because if you're talking counter a spell, bounce a key permanent, make a copy of your best thing, that right there is total game altering. Yeah. Right? Because it's it can, a three for one. And it's not the same people. So I counter your spell, bounce the thing from one of my other opponents, double my best thing, and all of a sudden, think of the balance shift that that just occurred. Stop you, stop you. If the third person was in fourth place in the game, you, and you were you know, in second or first, mm -hmm. you just vaulted so far ahead. And it's, yeah, it's very powerful. Not to mention there are combo-tastic things you can do with this to just really make it go off. Yeah, this is... Yeah. Listen, Mystic Confluence and Cryptic Command, very powerful cards. If you're in heavy blue decks, you can run those in all those decks. Like, the only reason you don't run them is because you're a nice person. Yeah, you don't want to counter something. You Yeah. But, <laughs> but, like, objectively, just putting them in your deck is almost always correct. Yeah. And then they just made a, quote-unquote, better version of them. I think, you know, it's six mana, so CEDH and things may not want to run this because it just costs so much. But for casual... This is a powerhouse card. It's just such a blowout. And we hold up six mana very often in this format. Yep. And, you know, thinking back to see the truth, it's two mana for a spell that's kind of like Ponder, right? It's worse, but that's only one mana. Going from one to two, not a big deal. Going from like four to six, two in, in, in EDH, it's not a huge jump. It's not as big as you might think it is. It's definitely not going from like four to seven. Yeah, seven was our threshold for the stats episode for a reason, because that's the point we saw where it really started to make a difference. Set, there's a big difference between six and seven. Yeah. At, once you get to seven, that's kind of the high CMC stuff. If this was seven, I would feel a little differently about it. But six... I is still feel good at seven, yeah. though, right? Yeah. But six is just below the threshold where I think you, you can find spots to hold this mana open and cast this most games. And if you hold the mana open for this, the downside of counterspells is... Nobody plays anything that you want to counter, and then you kind of are like, oh, I didn't want to cast this, and I just wasted the mana. I didn't use it for this turn. Right. Worst case scenario on this is bounce something, make a copy of your best thing, draw a card. For six mana, that's still pretty good. Yeah. 
And like, you know, you have to be a little careful. Don't target it on things that can get fizzled. So yeah. someone could like, you know, return their own creature with a crystal shard or sack it to something, you know, so you just have to be a little careful of that. But still, even at its worst, this just has so much, right? You're already in a blue deck. You're going to have, if you don't cast a blind epiphany, maybe it's two other things from your hand that draw you a card, do something else. Maybe yeah, it's you've a got other options. Yeah, yeah, you have other options. Sublime epiphany just feels like one of those cards that we'll have to just be very aware of and play around for the duration of the format. Because six mana also, like, you have access to a Torrential Gear Hulk. It's so good with Torrential Gear Hulk. Because it enters the battlefield. You can cast an instant or sorcery without pay- or an instant without paying its mana cost. Well, you- from your graveyard. From your graveyard. So Torrential Gear Hulk's down. You cast Sublime Epiphany. All the effects go off. You create a copy of the creature you control. Is Sublime Epiphany, is it, off the, uh, is it in the graveyard yet? The original Sublime Epiphany? Yeah. Well, why not do it again? Yeah, because I just made a copy of it. So bounce two things. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Yeah. That, that, yeah. 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 It'll exile the second time, right? Right. Because, right. yeah, but still. Uh, remember, you do have to copy modes when you copy things, but not when you recast it without paying its mana cost. Right. This is going to come up in a minute because we're going to talk about copying it. Um, because another really good combo with this is Dual Caster Mage. Yes. Dual Caster Mage is a one red red 2-2 two, two flash when it enters the battlefield. Copy target instant or sorcery spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. So you have to choose the same modes, but you can choose different targets. This immediately goes infinite... Because you Sublime Epiphany, and with Sublime Epiphany on the stack, now you do have to have... Something to target. A token, or a creature on the battlefield that you can target. But you go, okay, target, you know, this, target that with the bounce, target, you know, me to draw a card. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're not even countering something. And then you hold priority, and you flash in Dual Caster Mage, copying the Sublime Epiphany. And that Sublime Epiphany, the second one targets the dual caster mage right because it needs to enter the battlefield for it to trigger yep exactly and now when that token comes in it copies the original sublime epiphany which copies the dual caster mage and you keep the mode so you're bouncing non-land permanents and drawing cards this whole time (laughs) exactly you can also target the same thing multiple times right so you don't need to worry about running out of targets yeah because it's all going to resolve yeah and then you could even mill people out this way, right? Because you could target them to draw the cards or whatever. Like, once you've got yeah, the infinite loopy thing so. going, right? You don't even need non-land permanence to bounce. You can just be like, I'm just going to do... Right, you can just token do token and draw, and draw, and draw a card. A card. Yeah, yeah, so you don't need to worry about unbouncing everything and then fizzling the other copies. Wow. Yeah, so... Okay, then. Nine mana win the game. Yeah. Lutri would have worked with this too, but is banned. Um, Naru Meha is another... Right. Uh, blue card that does the same thing as dual caster mage in this Costs instance. a little more. Yeah, and, and can only target your own stuff. But I'd... mono blue, if you're playing that deck, yep. boom, you have an instant win now with just, you have a two-card combo instant win in your deck. Now, that's a lot of mana. It's 10 or 9 mana, and we already know that, like, oh, sure, I expropriate just all by itself will win you the game in that situation, yeah. too, by just casting the one card. But it's still, like, the fact that this card is so good, but also has synergistic combo stuff that can go on, but also, like, you don't care... I think if you just cast a blind epiphany, you're always going to be happy. Yeah. And then sometimes you also combo it with stuff and you get even more happy. Um, it also bounces permanence and it can be permanence you control. So you could do it with like eternal witness to get itself back, mm-hmm. right? Make the copy of the eternal witness, get it back out of your graveyard, Jeez. hold it open, whatever. Like there's just a lot of stuff that happens here. Our Kaomancer is already a card that I think people should play a little more of, yep. especially now that we have all these Reality Everwise decks running around. So many wheel decks. Things are going to be in your graveyard. You're going to want to find ways to get it out. And now, now you have Sublime Epiphany to just make things even stronger. You can either bounce the Archaeomancer back to your hand or create a token copy of it, get the Epiphany back right then. Yeah. All kinds of stuff you can do. Mnemonic Wall will work with it too. There's going to be a card, I think, Sublime Epiphany, that once it's in the blue player's hand in the game, you're 
they're going to be able to recast it multiple times in that game. And it's going to be a real slog just being like, crap, they always have that in their hand and they always have the man up and this is just a pain in the butt. <laughs> How many times do we have to beat this card yeah. to win the game type yeah. thing? Yeah. So very strong card. Uh, Good yeah. job. Good job. This next card's pretty strong too. Let's be real. I know, right? <laughs> Jeez Louise. I mean, Jimmy, what do I think about this card? <laughs> it's Teferi, Ageless Insight. Two blue blue for a legendary enchantment. If you would draw a card, except the first one you draw in each of your draw steps, draw two cards instead. All right. Would you play? Would you pay an extra mana for this, Josh? Would you yeah. pay five mana to play this I've, card? I have paid five mana for this card many times. Earn it's tune. called Yeah, it's called <laughs> Alhamra's Archive. <laughs> I didn't even know this has a life gain clause on it. I just thought Alhamra's Archive was. It, it is the same effect. Yeah. Um, this is obviously very good. Uh, it's in mono blue now, so I mean, like. Typically, you're going to be playing blue in the deck that would want the Alharmer's Archive type effect. Um, so it's 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 just great. It's a redundant effect. If you have both this and Alharmer's Archive out, you're drawing lots oh. of cards. I mean, we've all seen the person wheel with Alharmer's, right? Like yes. that's happened to everybody now at this point, and it's devastating. Yeah. So the fact that the blue players, who also are the wheel players, have another Alharmer's Archive in their deck that's even cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. And yep. there's a lot of wheel decks now because they're wheelie, wheelie good. Wheelie good. Like thanks, Rail the Everwise Thanks, Millie, again. for that, by the way. Yeah. That, I'm, gonna, I'm just using it forever now. I was thinking, I was like, it's wheelie, wheelie good. And I was thinking Looney Tunes and all that stuff. Um, the Gavi Nest Warden deck loves this as well. Instead of having to pay five for it, now every time you cycle, you're drawing another card. Pretty sweet. Jeez Louise. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot to say. The Riel, the Everwise we keep talking about. Yeah, let's just read her since we did not read her this, this episode. This episode yet. Yet, sure. Yeah, zero three, one blue and a red. Uh, Riel gets plus one, plus one for each instant and search card in the graveyard. Whenever you discard one or more cards for the first time each turn, draw that many cards. So just double it up. Yeah, so you you now you wheel, you draw 14, Ugh. but you discarded seven, so then you draw another 14. So a one <laughs> wheel draws you 28, 28 cards. 28 cards? Like insanity, yeah. So yeah, Braylon, Shabraz, Arjun, the Locust God. Yeah. The new Teferi. New Teferi is really good at this because you loot on everybody's turn. Oh so my you gosh, draw you two. two, discard one. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty so, good. Because new Teferi needed some help. Um, all right. So how do we think that blue fair? Don't forget, we've got Teferi. Baron, the oh, Sanctum, right. and uh, Teferi. So, Teferi all by himself. Teferi almost have actually pushes, I think, like blue, just to an A, yeah. And then you got a Sublime Epiphany, Teferi is just inside. See, see the, the truth, truth is no joke. Discontinuity. Ghostly Pilferer is like, eh, whatever, but yeah, it's an, it's an A to an A plus. Yeah, it's an A. I, I, right, let's talk about... It's hard to imagine a color having more powerhouse cards come out in a set than this. Outside of Baron and Ghostly Pilferer and maybe See the Truth, every single one of these cards is looking to be a staple. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to see Discontinuity, Sublime Epiphany... Teferi's Aegis Insight and Teferi a lot. And then the, lot. the, the, the Honden Gate Shrine sure, thing, Yeah, the right? Sanctum. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sanctum, okay. <laughs> yeah. Good job, Blue. Um, yeah. You know how we feel about this. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. All right, let's move on to your favorite color. Now, one thing I will say is that if you're looking at the video right now, right, right, you right. can see the number of red cards in front of us is very high. There's a lot of red cards to talk about, which is not generally the case. I would say red and white are generally like the, the lowest. Least, yeah, we'll t usually talk about six or seven from every color, but one will have five, maybe one will have four, and those are usually red and white. How many red cards we got? Ten red cards. That's wow. as many. That's we are starting from this point on. We're going to only talk about twenty more cards. Uh, Half the of them are red. Half of them are red. So that's a good sign. That's a good sign. A I good like sign. that. And red has some cool stuff going on in this set. Yeah, this first card actually you should read it because I think this is a card that Josh Lee Quiet likes more than Jimmy Wong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's Brash Taunter. Four and a red for a one-one goblin with indestructible. 
Whenever it is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target opponents. And then you pay two in a red, and it fights another target creature. You, sorry, two in a red and tap it. So you can fight a big creature. It'll deal, you know, what it's an 8-8. Eight, eight, yeah. deals eight damage to Brash Taunter. And then you go, boom, you take eight target opponent. Oof, jeez. It's, it's a stuffy doll. Yeah, but... But better, right? Yeah, because the fight ability here is actually really relevant. Stuffy Doll is a five mana artifact that is also indestructible, has a similar text, but it can just tap to ping itself for one, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So Brash Taunter here, it's indestructible. It is just sitting there taunting the biggest thing on the, the planet. It basically says no, nobody can really attack me on the ground, right? Because they're just going to take that damage. Right. Unless they have <laughs> Trample or something. And then it also... It can kill stuff if you could pump it in some way or something has one toughness because it does fight the thing. But even if it just hold up three mana tap every turn cycle, someone's going to take six. Yeah. Someone's going to take eight. Yeah, they got an Elder, Elder Gargaroth out. Yeah. It's just like six so, damage, boom, three mana, six damage to you. And that's if you don't, you're in red, so you're going to have some other ways to, to increase that damage. Right, right, right. And that's obviously what this card is very good with. Cards like True Fire Captain and Boros. This is a similar type deck, which is the, I guess it's the stop hitting yourself type deck, Josh, mm -hmm. that you always mm -hmm. wanted to make. Maybe it's more of reality now. Maybe. Uh, whenever True Fire Captain is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target player. So you've got this sort of effect in now, like, who? how can we throw damage around other ways? Mm -hmm. um, Gideon's Sacrifice is a white instant that does something similarly, uh, where it's like all damage that will be dealt to you or a permanent you control. A permanent you control is now dealt to a chosen permanent instead. Um, so there's like a lot of interesting things to do here with this card. Obviously, Torbran and all those cards are Torbran, just where you want to be. Because uh, every time it takes one, somebody takes three. Also, actually, uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It's brutal. Uh, there's cards, we didn't write them down, but there's like Pariah. Oh, right. That is the same thing. When you take damage, it deals that much. The, the creature takes the damage instead, basically. Mm -hmm. So it's just going to constantly, any damage you take, funnel it into Brash Taunter, which you funnel out to other things. Right, right. Oh, um, repercussion. <laughs> this card, by the way, it just keeps getting better and better. And it seems like it seems like Wizards is just going full on into the, let's do damage. Yeah. Let's just hurt people. Um, Clothis is actually really good here because at the pre beginning of your pre-combat main phase, you exile target card from a graveyard. You, If it's a land card, you add red or green otherwise you gain two life it deals two damage to each opponent so you're just creating the deck that's just like brash tantra can fight the clothis and then do a bunch of damage to everyone everyone's just taking tons of damage oh that's true you can fight your own things i didn't yeah. even think about that so if you were like in a xenagos deck or something oh. double its power attack with it and then fight it with the brash taunter and throw that damage also i didn't even think that Jeez. about fighting your own stuff so you can put big creatures in to guarantee you always have big stuff yeah uh, it's also good with, like, Blasphemous Act. Doing 13 damage to each creature on the battlefield. Yeah, so boom. Oh, my 13, gosh. Yeah. Kills everything a Brash Taunter stays alive. Someone takes an additional 13 on top of that. Um, we'll be talking about this card later, but Fiery Emancipation or any damage doubler here oh, is going to do a ton tripler. of damage tripler in this oh case. Oh, my yeah. lord. Um, yeah. Star of Extinction, a board wipe that just kills everyone with a ton of damage. Oh, that's actually just someone's like Blasphemous taking, Act, kind of. Yeah, yeah, someone's taking tons of damage here, so... Yeah, I like this card quite a bit. Originally, I was like, ah, it's a five mana one one. But the fact that it's such a good blocker, yeah, I think actually, and then it also has additional utility of being able to like get the damage going itself. Maybe this. I wonder if this goes in my Tim deck because mm. I mean, it does have a tap ability. It's a tap ability, yeah. and this is the kind of one that sometimes you just threaten lethal. Yeah, to someone. Yeah, someone gets down to ten. Someone's like, go to combat. My creature's here. I have a Paco. Yeah, that is now a twelve twelve. You're like, I I could just kill you with it. Just need to get taunted because. Uh, <laughs> 
they're flipping the cards off everybody's deck and hoping they they get only creatures because they yeah. can't afford for it to get bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what do you think Jimmy thinks about this card? I think Jimmy likes it a lot. Jimmy likes it a lot, yeah. but not as much as Josh. Yeah, because I this is just not it's definitely the more I'm of a shenanigans doing. card. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that that word's been taken from us. <laughs> All right, next up, Chandra's Incinerator. This art's kind of funny. It looks like something that was drawn like 15 years ago. I actually, like, it's when you look at it, then you look at it again, you're like, oh, that's what it is. It's one of those. Yeah, I, I like this a lot, though. I like the throwback arts um, or styles. Five and a red for a 6-6 six, six creature elemental. This spell costs X less to cast, where X is the total amount of non-combat damage dealt to your opponents this turn. So with Brash Taunter, this could just cost red very easily. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got Trample, and whenever a source you control deals non-combat damage to an opponent, Chandra's Incinerator deals that much damage to target creature or Planeswalker that player controls. So anytime any source of yours deals da non-combat damage to an opponent, so opponent. So again, Brash Taunter would work, uh, Burn spells, any of those Blasphemous Act type spells we said. And then this, this card does that much damage to a creature or planeswalker so it's just sort of like kind of damage doubling it i feel like yeah it's it can't throw the damage back at players it only turns it turns player damage into like removal yeah. right for creatures and planeswalkers but you're right it has a lot of usages because anything that's non-combat becomes or anything that's non-combat at players becomes like you know mm -hmm. removal which can be really really good is you know even like nekusar or something right because that's non-combat damage and you just oh i'm gonna kill that these little things oh, on right. the board i'm gonna kill these oracle of moldias and these timnas and crap yeah draw one card okay ping that thing for one yeah and another card this turn that thing's gonna die now yeah exactly so there's a lot of incidental ways mm -hmm. and then obviously you can do bigger things that are gonna make it do more damage this is the card with repercussion that's crazy right yes because now okay repercussion whenever a creature is dealt damage repercussion deals that much damage to that creature's controller so anytime a creature is dealt damage in combat now, and it's going to deal non-combat damage through repercussion to their controller, and then Chandra's Incinerator is going to trigger and deal even more damage to another creature or just basically but, start pinging things off the planet. Yeah, that, that's just a... That's it. It's not infinite, but it's going to basically kill everything, right? Because you deal... Oh, right. You're right. You attack with something if they, if they block. I guess they don't even have to block. If you just, like, pinged... Because it's repercussion doesn't care about combat damage right? right if a creature is dealt damage repercussion deals that much damage to that creature's controller so repercussion is dealing damage so let's say you just had a tim for one damage tim their creature repercussion says boom hit the the controller chandra's incinerator says that's non-combat damage to a player i'm gonna hit a creature you hit the creature and that repercussion. says repercussion hit the player the player chandra's incinerator oh that's non-combat damage I'm gonna hit the creature oh i'm gonna hit the player yeah. and then you just do that and kill every creature and probably kill most of the players on the board depending on how, how many creatures are out yeah you can do a lot of damage with this obviously when the creature dies but hey look if you have a if they have an indestructible creature you stack all the damage on that thing, and then that's an infinite damage loop to someone right there. This is also, we, I, we talked about, <laughs> I think we noticed as we were talking about the last card. Yeah. Clothis is another, this is where Clothis should be mentioned, not yeah, for the yeah, Brash Taunter. Because yeah. <laughs> it does the damage to the player. Right, it's just non-combat damage. And then it's going to trigger a Chandra's Incinerator. Yep. And so you can just kind of go back and forth. And even Clothis playing this on turn three, turn four, this now costs two less because Chandra's oh, yeah. Incinerator. Actually, no, it costs up to six less if you have three opponents because it's the amount of non-combat damage dealt to target your opponents oh, this to turn. your opponents this term yeah. so it'll only deal to oh this is weird because cloth is going to deal two to let's say three different players so that's six damage that's six damage incinerator costs red right but then when it deals the two damage when it's out it says whenever a source you control deals non-combat damage to an opponent right 
So when it deals two, two then, that's just two just damage two. all at once. So it'll, it'll throw two damage at a creature, not six damage at yeah. that point. But this makes this insanely easy to cast the turn after you play Clothis. That's cool. Yeah. Actually, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Beginning of your pre-combat main phase, yeah. So you have to cast it and get back to your upkeep into your first pre-combat yeah, main phase. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Like, Chandra's Incinerator doesn't care when the damage happened as long as it's this turn, right? Yep. This goes, I think, <clears throat> automatically into a Perforos deck. Mm. Uh, it's, right, anytime oh, a creature God. comes in, it's going to do two damage to each opponent, right? Oh, One yeah. creature, again, Chandra's Incinerator costs red because it's six damage has been done to your opponents. And then from there on out... <laughs> and then when you play this, it'll trigger Perforos dealing non-combat damage, so then it'll shock something right then. Right then and there, yeah, as you cast it. And you cast it for red. Oh, it's really good in Perforos. Yeah. Uh, as if Perforos needed more friends, a uh, shout out to our, our game nights... Rurikthar the Unbowed here. Oh, yeah, Matthew. Whenever a player casts a non-creature spell, Rurikthar deals six damage to that player. Smash! 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 Artifact! Bad bitch! <laughs> and again, that's just one non-creature spell. Chandra's Incinerator now costs red. And now, anytime they cast a non-creature spell... They're taking... They not only take six, but then you kill a creature, basically, because that's six damage to a creature or playing yeah. yeah, that's going to kill almost everything. Yeah, so... Uh, I, I like this. Red, red's going nuts with damage here. Count me in. Uh, Pyrohemia, Pestilence, really, really good with yep. this because it is a 6-6. Six, six, so it will survive, and that's non-combat damage that you then basically throw Just at Just throw, creatures. keep throwing at things. You're going to do a, a... Basically, damage-based board wipes is now red's bread and butter here. Uh, Rakdos, Lord of Riots, cares about non-combat damage. So I can see it going in that deck. Right. Obosh. Yes, another Obosh. Deck we talked about recently. I can see it going in that deck. It's an even CMC card, but... The effect is exactly significant. Yeah, yeah. I, that that deck, like Zozu, the the Punisher and stuff. Every time they play a land, you deal two damage to one of their creatures. You know that means no small creatures can stick around, right? Honestly, I think if you're running this in any of these decks we talked about, it's mm. never going to cost six. This is going to cost two or three at the most, most times. So, which is great because it has a really relevant ability, and it's a six 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 trampler. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. I Jimmy like Wong card a lot. likes this card a lot too. Oh yeah. How do I think Jimmy likes this card? I think he loves it. Yeah, I definitely love this one. Okay. Okay. Next up, we have the Conspicuous Snoop. Okay. Goblin fans. A lot of people talk about this yes, one. Yes, yeah. there's a lot to do here. It's red, red for a 2 2 goblin rogue. It says, play with the top card of your library revealed. You may cast goblin spells from the top of your library. And as long as the top card of your library is a goblin card, Conspicuous Snoop has all activated abilities of that card. So this harkens to a lot of different cards over the years, uh, but this. Card advantage from the top of your library for goblins thing is, mm -hmm. is kind of new. It's very new. Um, this would be an automatic include pretty much in any goblin deck. Yep. Kiki Jiki, right? So this uh, has uh, uh, uh. the activated abilities of that card. If Kiki Jiki is on the top of your deck, a Conspicuous Snoop becomes a copy of that card. Now, the card that people are most talking about with this would just be the Goblin Recruiter. Mm -hmm. So this is a one or red goblin. When it enters the battlefield, you search your library for any number of goblin cards and reveal those cards, shuffle your library, and then put them on top of it in any order. So there's a few things you can do here. Um, because you're you're copying the activated abilities, there's a lot you can do. If you have a Skirk Prospector, for instance, this is a card that lets you sacrifice a goblin to add red. Um, if you have then a Torch Courier, which is a card that allows you to sacrifice it and then another target creature gains haste until end of turn. And then you can have a Kiki Jiki on top with a Goblin Sharpshooter. And then all of a sudden you're giving all of these cards a lot of haste. You're casting from the top of your library because you're continually making copies of it because you now have a Kiki Jiki combo. You can sack them for mana. You can do basically anything you want. You can cast like every card, every goblin in your deck from that point out with a few of these, with the combo like this. Yeah, it's super combo-tastic. It's really good. Obviously, it's a goblin-only card, right? Like, this yes. card doesn't do a lot if you're not in a goblin deck because only the first line of text, which is show the top card for your library to everybody, to, like, 
if you don't have any other goblins, the rest of the text doesn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. But the in big, every deck with, what, 25 plus goblins? Yeah. If you're a goblin deck, you're going to be running all the goblins, Cranko and all those guys. Um, goblin Recruiter is the big combo piece yeah. here because you get to stack it and then boom, you get to sort of play the cards off the top of your library, use all the activated abilities because of the snoop. Pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, I think Jimmy likes it. Yeah, one of my first commander decks was... We're not very good at this game where we guess what the other person likes because the other person keeps going, I love this card, and yeah. then before we would guess the guess. It does say a lot that all the cards so far were like, hey... This is cool. This is cool, okay. Yeah. Thank you for doing this to Red. We appreciate it. All right, the next one is a type of effect we've been seeing a lot more recently. It's called Double Vision, three red red for an enchantment. Whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery spell each turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. I'm Yay. Gonna, I'm going to guess Jimmy likes it but doesn't love it. This isn't yeah. necessarily your type of deal. I think it's a tiny bit overcast, overcosted, but mm -hmm. at the same time, this is an enchantment that is going to stick around for a while. Um, typically, I'm not playing these types of effects that much, right? If I'm running, I'm the type of player that if I run dual caster mage in my deck, it's so I can counter your counter. Right. It's not so I can like combo off with my sublime epiphany. Yeah, I'd rather win in a silly way, you know, than just, okay, hey, I, I did a thousand damage to everyone. Does the everyone stack live? interactions get really complicated with cards like this because yes. forking forks is usually what, you, you know, it is, it's forking awesome when you do it but at the same time <laughs> it could be forking confusion confusing yes very much so uh, we talked about this a lot when we talked about calamax and that deck so i don't know if we want to like retread all that ground but i think anybody who's watched our show for a bit knows yeah, that we'll just brush over it fast here yeah that forks anything that's going to automatically fork stuff usually when you add a fork to that mix you add something that copies to it now the copy the thing that's copying things gets copied and it targets the original thing that was copying things and makes another copy and this is a way to just really quickly create infinite copies of the copy effect yeah and then now all you need is a way to weaponize that and there's things like calamax there's ral storm conduit there's a whole bunch of ways now to basically say oh if you can create infinite copies of a thing you can win the game off that and double vision mm -hmm. is just another way to sort of get that going i guess yep so some of the heavy hitters in this category uh calamax the storm sire lightning but uh, Rowl the Storm Conduit, Fury Storm, Cast Distant Mage, Vile Smasher the Fierce here. Interesting. You could really mm. just get a bunch of big spells, right? That's less forking your own thing. Less and forking, more just yeah. Like, yeah, just like Feather players are really excited about this. Yeah, Feather, because every thing you cast, you get a two of it. Trip, you, yep. And you can't trip twice. You get the card back. Um, I, I don't think it's actually that good in Feather, though, because you don't want to pay five mana true at that point generally you're like you want to kill somebody with once you get to like feathers out you have six mana yeah in general though this seems like a decent card here and i appreciate what it's doing i mean here's a here's the thing if somebody casts double vision and passes the turn you got to kill them or kill double vision they'll win the, on their next turn yeah almost every time they have the ability to. It's, they one of those, it's like yeah. it's like casting Kiki Jiki and being like, past turns, like, well, should we let Kiki survive? Yeah, it's like, it might ah. probably be fine, right? No, yeah, it won't no, be fine. No, 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 You're no, going to no. die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that card says win the game on it pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In a thousand different ways, too. You can't even predict what's about to happen. It is basically Kiki, but for spells, right? It's copying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Double vision. Yeah. Your eyes aren't playing tricks on you. I am. No Kiki on the card, though. Can't see him there, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. This next one, uh, uh, creating quite a bit of buzz. I like this one. You, uh, uh, Jimmy likes this are one. Are you kidding me? This card Jimmy is, loves this one. This card is not just great. It's hilarious. <laughs> because <laughs> green gets cards that are like, triple your mana. Yeah. Red gets fiery emancipation. Three red, red, red for an enchantment. If a source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals triple that damage to that permanent or player instead. <laughs> We're in the age of tripling. Yeah, right? <laughs> and this is, because we had Nix Blue Mansion and whatever... And this is the damage tripler, and boy, 
it's going to do a lot of damage. Yes, this thing is going to just... And six mana, right? Like, Furnace of Wrath is four mana. Dictate of the Twin Gods is five mana. For one extra mana, you can get triple the damage. And I think unlike Nyx Bloom Ancient and some other things, it's harder to take advantage of, like, Nyx Bloom Ancient the turn you play it. Yeah. Fiery Emancipation, if you just have some creatures out... Swing. You cast it and swing. So you can get the advantage of it, like, right then. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you got a, a one creature that's decent size with Trample is going to become lethal immediately with this thing. It's funny. Maelstrom Wanderer, because it cascades, if you cast Fire Emancipation off Maelstrom Wanderer, who is a 7-5, that's an instant kill with your Boom. commander because it's 7 times Done. 3. If you have blockers or whatever. Yeah. This is... You know how um, Crater Hoof is probably the last thing a lot of commander players see, you know? <laughs> right, right. This will be the last thing a, a lot, lot of commander, commander players, players see. see. Yeah. Ah, you I play like it, and that's the last thing you see before you die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, right? I, I, I think this is the right way to yes. theme it here. Green needs to swing in with big butts to kill you with trample. Red's trying to do straight damage to your face, and this is a card that is on the same power level, I would argue, as Crater Hoof Behemoth. Um, it's, it's probably not quite as good, which I think is good. Crater Hoof's probably a little above the threshold that we would want normal cards to hit. Yeah. But this is just very useful to red and very good. Well, if I like to think about, like, you play this as an enchantment, it's going to be there for a while unless someone gets rid of it immediately. With Crater Hoof, if you only have, like, two creatures out, there is a chance you can't kill everyone. That's true. With Fire Emancipation, at least when you get damaging, it's going to have some effect. I guess Crater Hoof, too, right? Even yeah. on, I guess at its worst, it's still doing having a big effect on the board. So is, is the same goes here for Fire Emancipation. I mean, this is like double vision though, right? Like if right. they cast it in past turn, you better kill the Fire Emancipation or kill them because you will die. You will die indeed. Jimmy likes this card. There's, yeah. there's no doubt about it. This is, I, I play Furnace I like this card. This is a yeah, sweet card. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the next one. Oh, it's, another sweet card. It's Terror of the Peaks. It's three red red for a five four dragon flying, of course, but not legendary. It says, spells your opponents cast that target Terror of the Peaks cost an additional three life to cast. And then whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Terror of the Peaks deals damage equal to that creature's power to any target. So if you play a 4-4 with this out, Terror of the Peaks uh, hits something for four. Any target. This is Warstorm Surge on a creature, costs one less mana, and is a 5-4 flying dragon with really sweet art. And that's actually, you know, a little hard to remove. At least they're going to have to take some damage to do it. Yeah, that's right. It costs an additional three life to cast, so it doesn't uh, work with Fire Emancipation. No. But I think this card is just great. Again, I like, mean, the other side works with Fire Emancipation, though. We'll deal triple when, damage. When you do triple damage, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, look, whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you play this in your Perforos deck for sure. Now you're making 20 low tokens. They're doing two damage each, and the tokens are doing damage through Terror of the Peaks as well. It's like this thing's saying they're just spitting out fireballs. Oh, yeah, that's what it's doing, right? Time. It's yeah. like... <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with creatures coming in. They're like, fire! <laughs> <laughs> or it's just so stoked that friends are here. It's like, yes, yes, yes! Um, and it's any target, so that's pretty sweet. Uh, in general, just being able to do it. If it was only the creatures or planeswalkers, it'd be a little worse. It'd still be good. But this is a five-mana dragon. That, that I think that makes it like close to Perforos power, though, because Perforos right. can't target creatures and stuff. Oh, right. Just opponents. Yeah, but sometimes you're like, okay, I really need to kill that Thrasios, mm-hmm. and then I'll go after this player. Yeah, Perforos is each opponent. Terror of the Peaks is just one target. So yeah. that's, that's good. That's yeah. good. 
pretty powerful um i think like if you have a dragon deck you just play this lathless is a perfect include because you get a five five with terror of the peaks when it comes in so mm-hmm. it just does that damage immediately Uvara Hellkite is just pooping out dragons left and right <laughs> you're just doing tons of damage the ur dragon the ur dragon oh this goes infinite with seki season's guide which is a green card it's five green 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 for a legendary creature spirit zero zero enters the battlefield with eight plus one plus one counters on it if damage will be dealt to seki prevent that damage remove that many one one counters and create that many one one colorless spirit creature tokens and then you can sack eight spirits to return seki from your graveyard to the battlefield so, so you play seki you deal eight, eight damage to it, to it you that, get eight one ones you sack the eight one ones to bring seki back out which does eight damage to seki which infinite but that's infinitely you need something else to right. you need a perforos you need impact tremors right you need some things that basically just go hard with this card but that's infinite amount of creatures entering the battlefield entering the battlefield going to their graveyard right there's lots of different things that go infinite there um living death one of my favorite board wipes because you exile all creature cards from their graveyard and then you sack all creatures you control then you put all cards you exile this way onto the battlefield mm-hmm. so you just order it that terror of the peaks is there and everyone slaps it on the way in like it's a freaking football game and they're getting tagged in oh, like that, that's, <laughs> yeah if you do the living death thing like, special team yeah <laughs> um and there's so many cards you can put into obosh now josh yeah because it's an odd cmc so yeah. with obosh it deals double the damage when you play a creature which is pretty insane and actually it'll deal even more than yeah, yeah it'll deal yeah. double yeah yeah double yeah yeah um yeah this was another Azuri's predation target oh gosh because with <laughs> with terror of the peaks out Azuri's predation you make seven eight nine four fours boom that's 36 damage that yeah. terror of the peaks gets to throw around and those triggers will go off before the fight thing right right for each creature your opponent's control create a four four green beast creature token and then each of those beasts fights a different one of those creatures i believe the creatures in the battlefield and the fight triggers come at the same time i'm not sure or they i think enter the fight might target? have to resolve first actually well, because you have to resolve the entirety of the spell i'm not sure we're not judges but either way you still yeah. get all that extra damage to throw somewhere you know you do you just kill them before they fight any of their creatures and, <laughs> and you get all the four fours hey cool um yeah this you can also get into those grave crawler loops yep right where a grave crawler can't block it's a one mana two one and you can cast it from a graveyard as long as you control a zombie so you cast it sack it to frexian altar cast it cast it cast it cast it tear each the time it's dealing the damage the two damage to it's your opponents yep kills everything works with perforos too um and then we have our favorite hornet nest and spore web weaver that we talked about last time so just give those indestructible and you make a lot of little one ones yeah because that's an infinite amount of tokens with either one and infinite life with the spore web weaver too because if they have indestructible right here you get basri ket out plus one it boom give them indestructible terror of the peaks you know you make a, a, a spider that deal the one damage back to the thing it makes another spider deal the, the one, one damage, damage make another spider this is, gain the you know infinite life give it haste <clears> swing <throat> out with a bunch of spiders yeah this the hornet nest spore web spider combos are just everywhere <laughs> <laughs> they're really good too that's, that's what got that was the first thing i thought of <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how you're doing these these set reviews and like you you come up with a combo or an idea and then you keep seeing it yeah, because it's right. forefront of your mind, not yeah, because yeah, it's actually yeah. good, but it's like, oh yeah, that would work again here. Oh, it would work with this oh, card. Oh yeah, yeah. In this case, it because every <clears throat> single card that's red here is pretty much pointing towards the same direction, which is just do lots of damage. All these combos are just very obvious. So I think Jimmy likes that card. Yeah, I definitely do. It's a dragon too, putting it straight into the old Drago deck. All right, here's the next card. It's called Traitorous Greed. Three and a red for a sorcery. You gain control of target creature until end of turn untap that creature it gains haste until end of turn add two mana of any one color to your mana pool so 
if you have to have four mana to cast it, but it rebates you for two. So this is a two mana threaten effect. Yeah. A two mana treachery. Two mana act of treason. So, I mean, two mana is pretty good. At what point is it efficient enough that you would play this without other synergies in deck? I think this this effect is underrated. I've won games right with this type of effect. Sometimes it's just one creature too that's yeah. holding you back. If you switch control of an Elishnor and guess what, you get the plus and they lose it. And a lot of times that'll flip the whole game and you kill somebody right then where you wouldn't have. A lot of times too, like you could attack. Mm-hmm. But you just need a little bit more damage. You take out their biggest blocker and swing at them with it. With and, it, and yeah. that's a lot. You know, that's a fifteen point life swing. It would have to be sixteen point life swing or whatever. And so I think you know, two mana is getting close. Like if it was one red mana threaten, I think Jeez. you'd always play it. Yeah. So is two mana threaten? close i think so because one you can change let's say you're a, a, a deck that wants to be able to sometimes cast a little harder to cast things maybe that two mana was, is relevant right mm-hmm. now it's a two mana effect and you have four other lands that are untapped so you get that you can tap now for six basically for something to cast something else it also any color of mana so it can fix you there too yeah exactly and and i think red you know in general you're playing more sack outlets in red type decks mm. so you steal the card and and sack it that's like kind of the the ultimate combo move with threatened effects it is sorcery speed, so you have to look at cards. Like, you wrote down Ray of Command, which is a blue version of this. It's three in the blue for an instant to do that same thing. That, um, that's the closest playable threat and effect that I have played sometimes. Right. And it's because it's an instant. And I was curious, like, yeah, the the um, comparison of these two cards. Because instant makes it a lot better, right? Because you can steal somebody else's card, block with it, and two for one, your opponents. Jeez. Uh so I was curious, like, is it better than Ray of Command? Because Ray of Command is real fringe playable. It's good mm-hmm. when it's good, but sometimes it does nothing. I think I can see this being played, but I do think you want to be the kind of deck that can do something with the creature other than just, like, hope it gets their last blocker out of the way. So you want to sack it, you want to mm-hmm. fling it, you want to do something to it. Yeah, that's a good point. If you have, how many sack outlets? Four or five in your deck? This probably becomes pretty good. Yeah, if you're on a mono red deck again, right, you got Goblet Bombardment, you have the Altars, that's three right there. And then you could play Altar of Frexia or Frexian Altar. You know, and you so. would play a two-mana spell that says destroy target creature. That's In pretty red. good. Yeah. And the fact that it also says hit them with it first, <laughs> you know, or something like that is also good. And also when you're sacking things, you're usually getting mm-hmm. something for sacking it too. So it's actually giving you mana, mana or, yeah. you know, something. Yeah. So I actually like this card quite a bit. And it gains haste to untap. So you can also use activated abilities there too. So there, there, I think there's a lot more flexibility with this card. Typically, these are the kind of cards that you kind of glance over, but... Yeah. In fact, it says two mana on it, pretty much. Interesting. All right, next up, Transmogrify is three in red for a sorcery. Exile target creature. That creature's controller reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal a creature card. That player puts that card onto the battlefield and shuffles the rest into their library. So this is three in a red, single target removal at sorcery speed for red, and then it gives you or an opponent the next creature in their deck. You can Transmogrify your own thing to know what's oh. coming up. Or you can try to modify theirs and hope you don't hit anything crazy. Yeah, so it's very similar to Chaos Warp, but it hits only creatures. It's a sorcery, but does exile the thing that you hit. So there's no chance yeah. to yeah, flip over the thing that you hit, right. which Chaos Warp can do. <laughs> uh, and you're guaranteed to get a creature with this, whereas Chaos Warp can sometimes flip an instant or sorcery. And oh, just this just goes until it finds the next yeah, creature. Yeah. yeah, so which makes it more useful on your own stuff. Yeah, you know, I wish it were an instant. 
Um, I think this is right in that like five to six power level and it's going to be easily accessible for people that don't, you know, maybe they just want another effect in red that does something similar or you're the kind of deck that, you know, you're a red green beaters deck and you want to get the next huge thing out of your deck. But you have to lose two cards to do it because you're losing the thing that you and target. Yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe if you had tokens and stuff, mm-hmm. it could be pretty good. I, the fact that this is a sorcery basically takes it off the table as something I'd be willing to play ever because the whole advantage you get or the only way you want to play removals is if, if it's an instant so that you can respond when something's attacking you or doing something to you because sometimes they're not you don't know who they're going to attack mm-hmm. and then you don't want to use it and the fact that you have to preemptively at sorcery speed use this I, don't, I just don't like it yeah and you could potentially flip over like an ulamog or an eldrazi so there yeah. are some downsides you here. could make your life worse rather than better yeah so jimmy wong does not like this card as much yeah it's clearly. okay okay the next one is interesting it's a volcanic salvo 10 red red so 12 mana sorcery this spell costs x less to cast where x is the total power of creatures you control ah oh all added together too so if you have five two twos this will cost just red red and it says volcanic salvo deals six damage to each of up to two target creatures and or planeswalkers for something that's 12 mana and a sorcery the first thing that comes to mind is why can't this hit players True, could at least finish them off. It's just too good and like limited and stuff then probably. Yeah. But it's a rare, so they could do that. Yeah. I mean, maybe even too good for standard. Who knows? I'd say a good, like, you know, modest case scenario is you have five power worth of creatures out, which is seven mana to deal six divided twice. Uh, I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, Blasphemous Act, again, counts the power of creatures across the entire battlefield. This is only on your side. 12 mana, probably not great. Yeah. I'd rather play the one that you sack two lands and you can deal four damage instead of paying the mana cost. I forget the name of it. It's fire something. It's all fiery in the end. All right. The last red card we're going to talk about here is Unleash Fury. Surprisingly good, I think. One in a red instant. Double the power of target creature until end of turn. Uh, So similar to like Teamer Battle Rage or something like that. But that's just double strike right? double strike which doubles the power basically right yeah i mean this can have other usage doubling the power is better if you're going to chandra's ignition or some other things so i do think that's good um but the fact that it's an instant and can just kill people out of nowhere is pretty strong this is the kind of card that you want to stack on your grevin i would say yes. because grevin gets plus x plus oh he's Menache, by the way just so you know uh where x is the amount of life you've lost this turn and whenever grevin attacks you may sack another creature if you draw cards equal to that creature's power and you lose life equal to that creature's toughness so nice it's not like giant growth right yeah just the power here you played against my groven deck a lot and it's very often swinging for 11 plus Mm -hmm. which means that now two mana just just kill somebody yeah and if you don't want to do that you just double the power of like your weird six one creature and you're drawing drawing 12 cards and losing one oh i didn't think about that yeah Yeah. that's interesting that's great and it doesn't double the toughness so right yeah oh okay all right so that's good in two scenarios with groven i like that yeah you know xenagos xenagod those type of decks double it then Xenagos will double it again so you, this is a, a quadruple up lay down the smackdown yeah uh, the fact that it's an instant you will kill some people out of nowhere mm-hmm. team or battle rage sees actually quite a bit of play in those styled decks and some decks want two of those and i would say this is a good second one team or battle rage does sometimes give trample which i think makes it a little bit better but this right. like we said has some other usages with some other cards like grevin team or battle rage won't double the power of the thing you're sacking and mm-hmm. drawing more cards. So, yeah, that, that might even out and make them about the same. Maybe Feather likes this deck as well. Oh, yeah. 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 
Okay, let's take a look at red here. Uh, I wrote A originally, just like this is an A. There's yeah. more than three cards we can talk about, and you want to play a few of them. I'm going to actually take that down a little bit, um, just because the it's last because blue was an A, and it's not blue quite was as an good A. Blue. Yeah, it's not quite as good as blue, but I do I do like that they are. It seems like we're buying into this uh, the direction here that that you kind of called out. Actually, we want to do more damage in red. And let's scale it properly, right, for multiplayer, and it yeah. feels like that's what the, the plan they're on. Yeah, yeah, I do like the direction they've been going with red for the last few years. I think they noticed that red was weak a few years ago and have worked really hard to sort of correct that and it's and it's and it's working yeah impulsive draws their response yep. to card draw it's more than we've seen for white and instead of big creatures or big whatever's it's value goblins and damage doublers and damage triplers and stuff yeah so i like that direction um there's no Teferi level card. There's no Sublime, Epi Sublime Epiphany level card. Fire Emancipation is probably the closest to that, and it is very good. There's only one instant out of these 10 cards, right? Yeah, that's a little bit, yeah, scary. Um, what do you give it then? You downgrade it to what? I think a B plus. Yeah, I'm going to say B plus, A minus. It's, very, it's good. I'm happy with where Red's at here. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and they got a lot of cards, so that's good too. All right, we got a lot more cards to talk about today. We just went through half of the remaining ones in red alone. There's black, there's multicolor, there's artifact, and there's a single land that we'll be talking about. But before we get there, let's hear a quick message from our sponsors. All right, we're back. It's the M21 set review. We're on the home stretch here. We've got just 10 more cards to go. We're going to go finish off the colors first. We're going to um, be talking about the black cards, and there's only a few of them to talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, let's start off with... Hooded Blight Fang, two and a black for a one-four snake with death touch. Yes. Whenever a creature you control with death touch attacks, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Whenever a creature you control with death touch deals damage to a planeswalker, destroy that planeswalker. So death ah. touch for planeswalkers. Death touch tribal, we've seen more of this sort of keyword tribal uh, mm -hmm. over the last couple of years. We have some Keywords Manache. are just important these days. Yeah, we have some Manache tribal. We're getting some <laughs> Death Touch tribal. We've had some of this. Uh, this definitely encourages you to play more Death Touchy creatures. Yeah. Um, We've seen this effect as well, the second one, when a creature you control deals damage to a Planeswalker, destroy that Planeswalker with Vraska Swarm's Eminence because she makes these little 1-1 black assassin creatures with Death Touch. Uh, and that's also in the Death Touch tribal world. I think Pestilent Spirit might have been the first time that the that we were sort of being signaled that Death Touch Trouble might be a thing. It's this interesting two in the black three two with Menace and Death Touch. Instant and sorcery spells you control have Death Touch. So any amount of damage they deal to a creature is enough to destroy it. So I could see an interesting like black, red, death, death touch, touch tribal. tribal. Don't let any of the none of your things live type deck. Don't you have to be in green though, so you can play the Vraska and stuff too? So, yeah. so maybe it's more So like maybe it's yeah. It's Sultai. No, no, what no, is no. that? Uh, it's uh, black, red, green. It's it's Jund. Jund. I said junk. <laughs> it's Jund. It's Jund. Um, Okran Assassin is a one with death touch. All creatures able to block Okran Assassin do so. And Oran Frostfang. You're right. You do have to play green for this. Um, mm -hmm. It's a snow creature, three green, green, attacking creatures in control of death touch. Um, and similar to what Bow of Nylea does as well, which is give your attacking creatures death touch. Yeah, I think uh, giving... You know, you're going to be in a Death Touch deck. You're going to want enough Death Touch in the deck to even consider playing this. And I don't know if we're quite at a critical mass of Death Touch Matters payoffs yet. Yeah. for that deck to really exist. But if you wanted to try it, I think good cards in that deck would be uh, ones that turn your Death Touchers into pingers. We talk about this a lot. So Viridian Longbow and Thornbite Staff. Even better with Hooded Blightfang because when a creature you control Death Touch deals damage to a Planeswalker, it doesn't say combat damage. Oh. So you could ping the Planeswalkers and kill them. Wow. Too. So that would be pretty good if you can turn them into Tims, basically. I Do think. you think they did that on purpose? Because I hope so. 
right the first one is about attacking and the one the second one just says deals damage yeah all they had to put was the word combat in there and it'd be way worse but i love that that's great so uh hornet queen too mm-hmm. just because you want a lot of death touchers and that creates a bunch of them hornet nest we keep mentioning maybe <laughs> hornet nest stock is gonna go up here you know bees are pretty help- helpful yeah maybe so, not hornets but so this is a way to to make more death touchers because you just want like five six death touchers out to get a, a lot of that trigger on the drain ability so yeah yeah Okay, so this card I think is is fine. right in the middle. It's fine, uh, but it definitely is opening a door, and we'll see how far that door gets kicked open in the next. It seems like year. the door is just a little open now. Yeah, and it's we like can open- see in. <laughs> it's opening one 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 at a time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, peer into the abyss. Talking about seeing into something. Uh, maybe the newest creepiest start ever. What do you think? It's pretty creepy. It's pretty creepy. If we ever do a Halloween episode like that again? This is gonna, this is on the list, right? Yeah, seriously. This is how I feel like when I wake up after a day in quarantine, just <laughs> eating so much. The last day. <laughs> I'm just like, oh. uh, why did I do that to myself? Yeah. All right. This is four black, black, black for a sorcery. Target player draws cards equal to half the number of cards in their library and loses half their life. And you're going to round up each time to do so. So seven mana pretty much draw all the cards yourself or make someone else do it and lose a bunch of life. Probably draw like around 40 cards yeah and then lose half your life yeah you're gonna want to you're gonna want to ramp this out if you're doing it um if you're doing it to other people well hey your your necrosar deck loves this right uh yeah i'm not sh- yeah yeah because it just kills somebody right like <laughs> almost every time it's yeah. like play this kill you even if you have 60 cards left you'll draw 30 take 30 from necrosar and then well you'll draw 30 take half your life and then Take, take 30 from necrosar for drawing the 30 right yeah there's no way you live past that right i don't think so and then uh psychosis crawler is the inverse mm-hmm. where it's for everyone you draw your opponents take that many so you would point it at yourself there you go draw 40 hopefully and then kill everybody or 30 maybe it's later in the game everybody's taking some damage yeah if you have villas broker of blood i think you almost deck yourself doing this because whenever you lose life and you're oh, losing yeah. life here <laughs> you draw a card yeah so you're gonna lose half that life and you're gonna draw that much life uh, i think you do die right like, unless you're rounding up so if you had like 10 cards you have 11 cards in your library you're gonna go down the wait you draw six right because you're rounding right, up six yeah oh, you died you just died <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what your life tolls out if it's at four when you do that then yeah I think you live. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because you only lose two. two. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, Narset Parter of Veils. Each just, opponent can't draw more than one card each turn. So this just says uh, lose half your life. Loses half their life or draws one card. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's not... Uh, I don't think I would play it just for that. No, but, I don't think so. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> This card is a card that Alice Kessler introduced me to, and it was very Oh, this is a CEDH card, yeah. too. Like Notion this. Thief. Yeah. Two blue, black, three, one flash. If an opponent would draw a card, except the first one they draw on each of their draw steps. Instead, that player skips that draw, and you draw a card. So, so <laughs> you point this at them, they lose half their life, and then you draw the cards. Yeah, they only draw... Yeah, they don't draw any of the cards, because yeah. it's outside of their first draw step. Yeah, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. Good job, Notion Thief. Uh... I like Horizon Chimera because whenever you draw a card, you gain a life. Oh, hey. So you're going to be up life probably after this is all over. Yeah, so this I like that. Seven mana, right? Oh, Niv Mizzet Perun, another one. Whenever you draw a card, it deals one damage to any target. Yep. Firemind, same thing. Right, right, right. So you'd point it out yourself, draw the card, maybe finish off player. Kill someone else. These out. last two, I think, are probably the best ones. Um, it's Psychic Corrosion and Sphinx's Tutelage. Ah. So whenever you draw a card for Psychic Corrosion, uh, each opponent puts the top two cards of their library into their graveyard oh so half your deck times would, two times two is probably going to mill them out everyone right, right? and yeah. then sphinx's tutelage is whenever you draw a card target opponent puts the top two cards of their library into their graveyard however if they're both non-lands that share a color you repeat the process so you're going to draw 40 cards they're going to do that 
40, 40 times. times. There's but, a pretty and then yeah. like and you it, can point out another person after that person's t- right. So Gosh, resolving this is going to be a pain in the butt. <laughs> Psychic corrosion is a lot easier to resolve. That's a good yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so appear into the abyss. It's seven mana. Obviously, this is not a do nothing card, uh, but it is seven mana. Seven mana. Yeah. So uh, you know you have to look and be like, all right, is it better to cast omniscience types effects in my deck, or am I looking to play appear into the abyss and have to combo it with something else? Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a little bit. It, it looks really flashy and awesome, but it's not actually that great. I think. Yeah, but there will be decks I think where it's going to be okay. Yeah, and it's just an instant win. And a lot of decks too so or at least an instant kill one player yeah yeah and again if you're at seven mana and you're comboing off with another card that's i'd say a pretty standard that's like totally area. fine that's yeah. around the time if you could do seven mana plus something else then games probably should be ending anyway right yeah <laughs> all right the next card is the last black card we're going to talk about it's liliana's standard bear two and a black for a three one zombie knight with flash when it enters the battlefield draw x cards where x is the number of creatures that died under your control this turn hmm Kind of cool. I like this. Uh, I I thought zombies were like slow, so Flash <laughs> doesn't make a ton of sense. That's a really good point. And he's just like, uh, <laughs> like, it has Flash. And you're like, doesn't look like it. It's one of those zombies from 28 Days Later. It's not the other oh, zombies. Yeah. Or, or uh, the new, um, was it uh, the World War Z zombies? Yeah, They're it's just, not the Walking Dead zombies. The Sprinters, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought about my Marchesa deck, obviously, because you can sack this card, and then it could come back into the battlefield if you're sacking like three creatures with plus one, plus one counters. Yep. Then you're going to draw X number of cards where all those cards creatures that died in control this turn so there's a little bit of play there anytime you're sacking your own creatures aristocrats in mm-hmm. general this is probably going to be playable because a lot of times it's like ah oh, sack these four things get some amount of value flashes in draw four cards yeah yeah um the grave crawler loop we talked about before again now you can draw right means you feel like- four mana pretty much you play the grave crawler sack it to phyrexian ultra over and over again and you can flash in lily on standard bear and you could draw like 90 cards yeah if you want as many to. as you feel like as many as you feel like yeah yeah um living death once again this is a card that again it says sacrifices all creatures they control and then you put the cards you exiled this way into the battlefield from your graveyard so oh, so if lily on standard bear was in the graveyard and played yeah. death yeah you might you like, draw a bunch there um garna the blood flame is a deck i kind of want to build this it's a flash card when it enters the battlefield returns to your hand all creature cards in your graveyard that are put there from anywhere this turn so you it's kind of like the eggs thing where you want to sack everything and right that deck is built for a lot of things to die all at once which means yeah. liliana's standard bear would probably be good in that deck yeah shire shizo's caretaker which brings back creatures with power one or less mm-hmm. uh from your graveyard to the battlefield so that is sacking a lot of creatures so Liliana standard bearer will be good yeah and then there's like awakening zone yeah. from beyond or any of these cards that make eldrazi spawn or scions because these are little uh creatures that almost act like treasure tokens you sack them to add but in this case just a colorless mana i mean imagine just like modest scenario you sack three of those things and then you flash this in and you basically turn those scions into cards mm-hmm. which is you know pretty good like a, a lot of times you're like oh i have three of these scions when you do you want each of those to be a card from your deck yes i do that yeah. would be sweet thank yeah. you people play painful truths which is two in a black that at most can draw you three cards liliana standard bear has a much higher rate and can be flashed in as well so that's pretty good yeah all right all right how that did, was black <laughs> do we give it less points because it only really had oh three yeah standouts? wait we did, yeah with red, we didn't even consider Chandra, but I guess she wasn't that great. And, oh, uh, right. Sanctum. And then Chandra had, or red had the two uh, commanders that I don't want to, like, pretend didn't exist. Oh, Subira, right? But, yeah. And uh, Garda or whatever. Garda. The, the, the dragon. The dragon one, That makes yeah. treasure tokens. Uh, I still think it's a B plus. Yeah, it's a B plus around there. Okay. Because so, those, those commanders don't add anything new. They're cool. I think. Cool. But they're not, like, awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So, black has Vito. Black yep. has Caravac. The Sanctum that deals... that 
drains and the Liliana and Liliana which was okay. okay. Um, so not adding a ton there. I think not very many cards here. Black score is pretty low here. I think yeah. C C minus even, which is okay. Black from our stats a couple of years ago was the strongest color in Commander. I think since then green has probably pulled pulled ahead, but it's. Black's in the top three colors, and I don't think needs a ton of help. Right. Black uh, can do everything, pretty much. It can yeah. draw cards. It, it can ramp. It can find ways of doing most things. There's nothing we're sitting around going, you know, I wish Black could do X. Like, Black <laughs> is fine. So, the fact that it didn't get a lot of tools isn't the worst thing. Yeah. Uh, it's If you play a lot of Black, it's probably a little disappointing. But It's kind of like you give the grade for the color, and then you give the grade for how you feel about it getting that grade. Right. It got a C-, <laughs> but I think a C- is actually not that bad in this case. Yeah. Big, when White gets a C-, it's way worse than when Black does. Yeah. How about that? All right, let's go to the multi it's like systemic, actually, if you yeah. think about it. <laughs> okay, all right, all, all right. right. Uh, <laughs> okay, multicolored cards. There's only three of them. The first one is Conclave Mentor. Green and a white, two mana for a 2-2 Centaur Cleric. If one or more 1-1 counters would be put on a creature you control, put that many plus one 1-1 counters on that creature instead. So hardened scales, basically. Yeah, on the creature. And it says when uh, Conclave Mentor dies, you gain life equal to its power. So if you've made it bigger, it will then give you more life when it dies. I mean, if a deck has hardened scales and is in green and white, then it probably wants this card too, right? You definitely do. And this is a conversation we've feels like we've had quite a bit of times. Uh, the plus one, plus one matters decks that are all over the place. Um, it's great when you have Gave Groove Spores. And the, what, like the meme now is like, oh, yay, finally, a way for my Gave deck to go infinite. Yeah, exactly. You don't <laughs> need another. <laughs> you don't need another. But it's another thing that adds on to this. The Rayhan Last of the Obzon deck is actually, I think, growing a lot in popularity as well, um, especially with the new uh, Commander Dies rules. Well, she got a little worse, yeah, with the commander's eyes. So fortunately, I guess Conclave Mentor maybe buffs it up a little bit if you're mm-hmm. playing a partner in here to, to get white to in get there. White. Yep. Uh, Tyam, the new one that cares about counters on creatures. Oh, yeah. Obviously going to play nice with this. Merith, Will of the Wild, again, wanting plus one, plus one counter matters cards. The Ozolith. Oh, yeah. Yay. Keep your counters around and transfer them to creatures and stuff. Yeah. I, yeah. We don't have to talk about plus one counters much, right? Yeah. You know if you want a card like this. And it's an uncommon, which means it's going to be easily accessible. And I think that's great for just enabling. I think it's a pretty fun strategy. And it's one that appealed to me a lot when I first started playing. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, next up, we have Experimental Overload. Two, a blue and a red for another uncommon. It's a sorcery. Create an XX blue and red weird creature token, where X is the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard. Then you may return an instant or a sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. Exile Experimental Overload. So four mana, rebuy a spell pretty much. Sometimes get a big blue and red weird creature. Yeah, I mean, you're getting like a 3-3 three, three or 4-4 four, four most of the time probably. Yeah. Uh, it harkens a little to Volcanic Visions, which I think is an underrated card and I like a lot. But this does, this has less effect like most of what you're doing is just getting the card back in your hand, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which I like less than Volcanic Visions, which is like, hey, wipe the board and get <laughs> and the card get the back card. in your hand, which will give you the time to cast the card that you just played. I guess a decent sized creature might give you some time too, but yeah, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, we're, we're stretching a little bit here for the multicolored. Because there's not very many. There's not very many. Yeah, and like, oh, guess what? Real the Everwise. You, uh, instance and sorceries in Graveyard. Morty, uh, great. <laughs> we done it. <laughs> All right, the last multicolored card is Leafkin Avenger. Two and a red for a, uh, sorry, two a red and a green, four mana. For an elemental druid, it's a four, three. Has two abilities. You can tap it and add green for each creature you control with power four or greater. Oh. That's a new line of text. Yeah. And then you can pay seven and a red and Leafkin uh, Avenger deals damage equal to its power to target player or planeswalker. 
Okay. So infinite mana, this is one of those cards like the invokers from uh, uh, the Eldrazi plane with the little hedrons. Zendikar. Zendikar. Mm -hmm. Do a similar thing here. But this kind of reads like a guy's cradle for all those four plus power matters decks, right? <laughs> Just a little bit. I mean, here's the thing. If you have, let's say you have four, four plus power creatures on the battlefield. Okay. You're winning. You don't need a bunch more, more mana, mana. Yeah. Like you already have a bunch of mana on the table you've clearly already created a lot of mana somehow because how'd you cast all that stuff yeah four mana for a mana dork is pretty aggressive yeah. um but again you know if you're playing your omnath locus of rage or royal decks you're making a bunch of elementals and things in any way so yeah you know if you yeah. can create a lot of mana this will just win the game by just funneling the mana into it and so maybe there's some weird staff of domination loops you could get into by tapping itself to create the mana that you eventually, eventually activate but you know, with you it. You have to make it red. You make red. Yeah. 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 It's an uncommon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> ah, stop talking about it. Oh, gosh. All right. Artifacts and colorless cards. There's Not only three many. of them, and one of them we've talked about a lot already. So it's Chromatic Orrery. This was our preview card. Seven mana for a legendary artifact. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color. You can tap it to add five colorless mana or five diamond mana to your mana pool, or you can pay five and tap it to draw a card for each color among permanents you control. Jimmy and I are both pretty mediocre lackluster on this card. It's a lot of mana. Mm -hmm. One thing that people know that we did not mention is that, yes, this works well in a Joda deck. No, we Joda. mentioned that. I don't know why people said we didn't. I know. I thought we did, too, and I read yeah. the comments. I was like... Are we sure? And I didn't check, but okay, I guess we did mention it. Anyway, yeah. if you want to hear a much more detailed breakdown about Chromatic Orrery, including us not really knowing what an Orrery is, we now know it's like a recreation of the It's universe. a model of like a solar system. Yeah, yeah, which is on every Orrery. Um, just check out that episode. Well, obviously, you can just look up Chromatic Orrery. It should be one of the first things that come up. But we're not super high on this card. Seven mana. I mean, let's just talk about the blue cards that are under seven mana that do more. Yeah, Sublime Epiphany is way better than this card. <laughs> At seven mana, you need to be making game-winning plays. This is setting you up for further plays, which right. I don't. Th I think you're done with once you're... We already don't like Chromatic... Uh, I mean, uh, a Gilded Lotus, right? Yeah. That's a five mana mana rock that you could say is, uh, you know, scaled around the same power level as Chromatic for seven. Yeah. All right, next up, we have Maze Mind Tome 2 for an artifact. You can tap it to put a page counter on Maze Mind Tome and scry one. Or you can pay two and tap it to put a page counter on Maze Mind Tome to draw a card. However, when there are four or more page counters on Maze Mind Tome, exile it. If you do gain four life. Oh, man. It was looking so sweet. <laughs> oh, man. Right to that last bit. <laughs> where you can only do this four times. You can scry for free, right? To two mana scry, one immediately when it comes down. I can see a mono white or mono red deck maybe playing this card if you can bring it back with mono red artifacts i mean yeah. endless atlas already exists and doesn't oh, what you exile you gotta, no. yeah <laughs> you can't bring it back endless atlas already exists so if it's mono red mono white or boros you're running that first and endless atlas honestly like i i've not been super happy with it you run it out of necessity but paying two mana for an artifact that you then have to pay two mana and tap to draw a card for is a really bad rate that's four mana for one card six mana for two eight mana, mana for three, three ten mana for four this is not what you really want to be doing because what do mono white and mono red decks also has a, have as a disadvantage for their colors? Mana. They create less mana than the <laughs> other colors. So you can't afford to be wasting it inefficiently like this. So I don't like this whole like, uh, I don't like this whole like, I don't like this whole <laughs> attitude of, well, that's what white and red have. So you have to do it, but it's like play. It's, it's even worse for them to waste more mana to draw cards than everybody else. Um, and, yeah. and you're right. Even in a good scenario, where you've got the mana and this is going, you can only do it four times. <laughs> and then it goes away. And then it goes away. It exiles itself too. It doesn't even want you to 
pull off other shenanigans with it. This I, I is, just think it's a worse version of stuff that's already out there. That and that other stuff is not even not that even great. Good, yeah. yeah, the colors are disadvantaged. You need to be able to jump another extra hurdle. But because it's an artifact, that means that every color can now play it. So you can't jump too hard of a hurdle. So it's in this weird place where it's just like, well, sorry, you're not the favorite child of okay. the family. Two places I think you may think about it are Aminatu. Because you can flicker it. And Brago. And you're basically saying, I'm just going to tap this to scry the one. Aminatu does occasionally care about the top card of the library. Sometimes he'll draw. Yeah, and sometimes you might draw, but that's not the main thing it's there for. It's mainly like a thing that costs two mana to tap and scry, which okay. is probably not good enough for most Aminatu and Brago decks. But if you have like a lower powered one or a budget one, maybe this fits in. Okay. But yeah, if you can't flicker it or something, like, I don't know. I mean, it is also magical Christmas land to say I'm going to do this five times in a game. Yeah. In most games, like, you probably won't even do it four. Like, you just won't have well, the mana to Well, imagine drawing this on, like, turn seven. Yeah. But like, if you do, you're never going to have to worry about that last part because the game, the game <laughs> the won't game go long enough. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. We're sorry, talking about too long. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. We apologize. Someone out there is like, I like this card. Okay. All right. Uh, the last artifact is a creature it's spark hunter masticore three mana for a three four oh. artifact creature masticore masticores always have this text which makes them a lot worse is as an additional cost to cast this spell discard a card could be an upside in some decks though true, true. uh it has protection from planeswalkers that's pretty interesting has it's two a, oh it's a spark hunter that yeah makes sense. spark hunter uh, it has two activated abilities. The first one is spark, pay one mana, colon, Spark Hunter deals one damage to target Planeswalker. So for four mana, it'll deal, it'll kill Teferi. <laughs> <laughs> in general, I think you're playing this in the Super Friends heavy meta, or when you play it, other people go, oh, thank goodness. That's not one of those cards where I can pay mana into it, is it? And you're like, no, 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 only me, only me. Maybe you play it in like a Moldrotha deck or something like that, where mm -hmm. you're, you don't care if the card goes to the graveyard. Right, and you have to discard. Yeah, and it's kind of a, a, a emergency release valve for, you know, oh no, there's a Planeswalker I got to take care of. I want a tool to deal with that. Yeah. Uh, Is Hex Parasite better? It's a one mana, one, one. You can pay X and then black or a Phyrexian mana to remove up to X counters from target permanent. Yeah. Uh, Only cost one. Yeah. It, pay a Phyrexian. Yeah. It's... But it this is color restricted, right? So it yes, has to be in has black. To be black, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, fine. It's probably better. But this can, you know, become undestructible and do some stuff. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, you know. Okay. I think this card's you, you okay. Told me. It's not very good. It's okay. And uh, Super Friends metas, mm, sure. I don't know. I mean, it, I, I. Sometimes you see a card, Josh. And you're like, I'm, I'm just never playing that. Yeah, Th that's. Here, listen, that's what we've been saying about a lot of cards and how I like to wrap up the conversation about a card. It's like, blah, 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 blah. But we're probably never going to see that, really. In reality, on the battlefield during Commander games, Spark Hunter Massacre, we probably won't ever see it, or maybe it'll be just very rare if we do. Yeah, and, you know, in those cases, I do enjoy seeing these cards because it's like, oh, cool, I like what you figured out how to make it work. Because you have to jump through hurdles yeah. for certain cards like this to get to their maximum like fun time value. It's one of those ones where you go, oh, I remember that from draft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Straight to the draft chat file. All right, the last one is a land, arguably better art than nine lives, um, but they're both up there. It's called Animal Sanctuary. You can tap it to add colorless, or you can pay two to tap it and put a plus one, plus one counter on target bird, cat, dog, goat, ox, or snake. Or, why isn't it all of them? I don't know, right? I guess that would probably be too powerful, but they have like 
Orn Reef, the Vastwood and stuff, but that's this creatures that entered the battlefield this turn. Okay, fine. So two man to put a plus one, plus one counter on your bird tribal deck, cat tribal deck, dog, goat, ox, or snake tribal deck. I think cat and dog tribal decks now might exist. Goat tribal decks are always a joke, and they do exist. And snake tribal does exist as well. Sure, so, Yeah, so that's like three or four. And, and bird tribal, sure, that exists too. Um, so really goat and ox are the ones that don't, is what you're saying? Yeah, but, you know, I think there are better ways to put plus and plus and counters, for instance, on all your cards, all your creatures. I'm trying to think if I would put this in my Hapatra deck. Mm. I'm not sure. Because one counter on one snake like is like, who cares? It's definitely not worth this being a land that I draw in my opening turn that makes it so I can't cast Hapatra on turn two because it's colorless. Yeah. It's at the cost of also a land that you're tapping that turn. Two other lands too, so that's three Three mana, mana put yeah. a 1-1 one, one counter on something. Like, are you ever really doing that? And if you are, you're losing that game anyway, right? Yeah. Because like, if you're ever at a point where that's what you have to be doing, that's a play that you're making in a real game of Commander, three mana put a 1-1 one, one counter on something, you're either losing that game by a million or you're winning that game by a million. <laughs> and you just have the liberty to run around and be like, and sure, all animal sanctuary. Yeah, why something. not? Uh, it doesn't come in tapped uh, like a lot of these sort of specialty lands do. If you have a Mutavault, it's a changeling. So I was like, oh, maybe if a Marchesa deck, because again, plus and plus counters are not what Grixis does best. So if you had some weird Marchesa deck where they're all <laughs> changelings beautiful. and then you can use animal sanctuary to put a plus and plus one counter on it, you know, now, uh, this is find a some hurdles. The mind of Jimmy Peacock. Find some hurdles. <laughs> Through the lens of my Marchesa deck, is this even good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happens a few times every episode where it's like, Jimmy, where are you going? It's like, gotta go look through the lens of my Marchesa deck. <laughs> um, okay, I'm pulling out all the cards that we talked about uh, last episode too because we're going to go into our favorite questions here, which are our favorite cards and what we feel are the, m or our favorite card right. and what we feel is the most powerful new card in the set. And I'm just pulling a f uh, out some uh, the big nomination. Ones. Yeah, nominees. Um, and the nominees are... I think we can narrow it down even further realistically, right? Like, yes. Let's see It's here. probably... Okay. okay um, another thing uh, that we usually talk about now is how do we feel about the new cards overall? And I'm going to say I'm really pleasantly surprised by the core set. Um, not only because there are some cards that sort of enter into the territory of fixing problems, but big reprints, especially Commander Staples. It really is the year of Commander in a lot more ways than I think we expected when that first tagline was thrown around to us when we had Gavin on last year. Mm -hmm. um, just because we see that they're paying a lot more attention to us in the reprints, and they're doing so even in standard sets, usually where they are much more wary of doing so because it will affect the standard power level. Like putting a Zuza into standard, for instance, might be problematic, or it might not be. So you're hoping that they've tested it out. But for us Commander players, big thumbs up in that regard. I think this set... And in general, the improvements that were made to red as well as to a certain degree white make me pretty up on it as a whole. And it's a core set, you know, M15 was the first core set I really came back to and I had many fond memories from that. And we still play some cards from that set, but not that many. I think there's gonna be a lot more general staples from this one. That was some good talking. Good job. Yeah, good organizing. <laughs> okay, so I pulled aside some nominees here. Um, I'll just read them so that they can follow along. Sure. Sanctum of All, which is the Big Daddy 5 Wooberg Shrine card. <laughs> this is for most powerful new card, by the way. Yep. Uh, Teferi, Master of Time. Sublime Epiphany. Fiery Emancipation, the uh, Damage Tripler. Mm -hmm. Chandra's Incinerator. Elder Gargaroth, I think is probably the best green card, or it's that or it's Garrick, Garrick Unleashed. Yeah. Uh, Peer into the Abyss. Black was pretty lacking in this in this set so there wasn't a lot of choice angelic ascension which is the sort of path to exile but instead of land you get a 4-4 flyer mm -hmm. and idol of endurance or nine lives maybe yeah angelic ascension can also get rid of a planeswalker no right right 
Um, so I think that's probably the best white card. And then there's maybe an argument for discontinuity, which is the stop the turn, end the turn, blue instant. It's probably closer to power level of all the other cards that aren't blue, but I think the other two blue cards are better than it. Yeah, which and kinda... it's by a big, it's a long, long distance between the rest of the cards and the blue cards here, I think. Yeah, I think if we were going to narrow it down even further, we would just say it's either Teferi, Master of Time, or Sublime Epiphany. Do you agree? I agree, and I think I would probably take Sublime Epiphany oh. over Teferi, because wow. Teferi, look, we just talked it up a lot, right? And other people are going to be talking it up a lot. You play it on the battlefield, people are going to be talking it up a lot. It's going to paint a big target on your back. Sublime Epiphany, I think, just out of nowhere could win you the game, might edge it a little more for more powerful. I'm going to say Teferi... I think we're going to see a lot of Safari. I think you should get used to seeing this card in the battlefield. It's just never going to be bad. It's always going to loot you at least twice, probably three times. It'll just be hard to kill fast enough for it to not do that. I think we definitely say, too, it's better than Jace the Mind Sculptor as a format. For, com- for Commander? I, I yeah. believe so for sure, yeah. And and sometimes it'll just outright win the game, uh, go unchecked, get out early, and things like that. Sublime Epiphany, I think, is very good, but it's six mana later game play. Um I just think, yeah, I just think we're probably going to see more Teferi. It's, I think Teferi is just going to be a staple. Yeah. Uh, close to the level of Cyclonic Rift, but not quite. More along the lines of like Smothering Tithe. You can spark stuff. double it too, right? Make another... Uh... <laughs> think of how often we see Smothering Tithe now. I bet Teferi is like a similar level of that's how much we'll see it. Yeah. And the only thing that's stopping that from happening is that's a mythic. Now, if we remove the blue cards from the equation, mm-hmm. now it rises to the top. Now, this is more interesting, I think, because these cards are a little, yeah. little bit more... My vote is actually for Fire Emancipation, yeah. it's. I think when I compared it to um, uh, the Crater Hoof Behemoth, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a card that wins you the game often on the spot. Yep. And or the turn after you play it, if the, right. if, it, if you're still around. So, yeah, I agree with you. I like that a lot. And I think my second choice would be Angelic Ascension, maybe. Oh, interesting. I kind of like Idol of Endurance just because it's something that looks like they're they're aiming to do have White do a little more, which is kind of like mess around with certain CMC permanents and different zones. Well, let's talk about our favorite card in the set here, which is not always lined up with the most powerful cards. Let me see if there's one that <laughs> didn't yeah, make it didn't here. make these nominations. You know what? Terror of the Peaks. That's this pretty... has got to be my favorite card. Actually, that could have been in contention, too, for for most powerful card. I mean, Certainly. I don't think it's with the blue cards, but with Fire it does go. It does go infinite with some stuff for sure. And mm-hmm. I think Conspicuous Snoop also, or even Brash Taunter. The fact that they're all red makes me very happy. Okay. These I are mean, cool so, cards. I think Sublime Epiphany is probably my favorite as far as, I know it's powerful also, but it's just a very Josh card as yeah. far as like, just wait around and then do the thing that I feel so <laughs> safe. Just like pass the turn. And if you have a Dalkinori out, then you're like, oh, I didn't need to use Sublime Epiphany. I'll do something do else. Something else, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that's just the kind of card that really leans into how I like to play uh, the game, which is basically feel safe and feel like I'm going to be able to deal with whatever happens because I yeah. have a variety of answers. So That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Okay. A cool set overall, though. I agree with you. I'm happy, I'm, I'm very happy with this, especially coming from a core set, and especially if you factor in the reprints. Yeah. Like, factor in Azusa. Ugin. Grim Tutor. It's, I mean, this is pretty great. And then we haven't even gotten to Jumpstart which we're going to do a set review for because we have to because there's a bunch of new cards. But talk about the reprints and Jumpstart. Yeah, there's a bunch there too. This is a pretty pretty good, you know, what, three-month period as far as magic um, reprints and stuff uh, and giving things to the commander format. So that's pretty cool. I am glad too that I think this does lower the cost of entry in a lot of different oh, yeah. ways for p- players to build a certain power level of deck and get to get some of the staples as well. 
and you just get the added benefit if you're out there and you're in an LGS finally and cracking some packs, you might just get some of these great stables as well. Yeah, so. really, really cool. All right, to the listeners, what is your favorite new card from M21? Are there any that you think are going to make a big splash in Commander that we did not talk about? Or are there any interactions that uh, yeah. you see that we didn't talk about? Or, you know, these are new cards. Oftentimes we get small little rules things wrong on a couple of them go ahead and point that stuff out in the comments and stuff just uh i want to know what is like the common that's gonna rock our minds that we didn't think about because we talked about a couple of uncommons here but but no comments i'm sure there's at least one in there that's like hey don't forget popper people rejoice i think there's a common that's like one black instant sack a creature draw two cards yeah i think is probably playable Hmm. and pretty good cool all right if you want to get any of the cards that we just talked about or all the cards we just talked about or any of the Jumpstart cards or any of the Double Master stuff that's coming up or Commander Legends, Mystery Boosters, Ikoria. C20, all this stuff, com- cardkingdom.com slash command zone is the place to go. You're going to buy this stuff anyway. You really want to get all these cards, jam them into your decks. If you just use our affiliate link when you purchase all that stuff, you really are simultaneously helping out Game Nights, this podcast, Extra turns, I'm going to say it. We've been working on extra turns. Those are hopefully coming down the pipe pretty soon. Exciting. So, yeah, definitely big thanks to everybody who supports our sponsors. They do make all this stuff possible. Yeah, and hey, look, they said it was a good year for Commander players. It's also a good year for dog and cat lovers, and Ultra Pro's got your back covered because look at Josh's playmat. <laughs> look at that. It's so cute. And there's a bunch of actually other dog arts that they've been making playmats for. Ultra Pro, again, highest quality playmats in the business, bar none. They've been doing it for the longest. You want to go to them. You don't want to just order something off another website of another company because honestly, I've I've, had, I've done it in the past. The colors aren't as crisp. They're a little washed out. They're not allowed to use some of the art. And so Ultra Pro is the one that we could just go to and trust because it's, you know, for me, affordable and it's a great way to protect my cards. And it's a great way to theme out what I'm playing with. And it makes me happier because that's, you know, those small things definitely add up. You know, I'm, I'm the guy that's looking through the Marchesa lens all, every time. You know, I'm the guy that's also going to want to deck out my you know box a little bit to look a little more on theme with what i'm doing yeah it's funny because you and dj have definitely and cassius have definitely like uh rubbed off on me and yeah that, like when i i'm like we built that obosh deck a few uh, weeks back and i ordered all the cards i'm like okay i have to get uh recto sleeves i have nice. to get a rectos deck box i gotta get something that's rectos theme for the planet when yeah. i play it and i'm <laughs> like i never used to do that but ultra pro is the best place to find everything together under the same banner that's going to fit any theme that you can come up with. They really are the best at that stuff. And you can find it everywhere, including cardcame.com slash command zone, as well as just in your regular stores. And it's great to support your LGS if they stock that product. All right, now it's time for the end step Uh where we talk (laughs) about something cool outside the world of magic. We promised it this time, too. Yeah, because we skipped it last time. Hmm. Um, uh, You know, have we ever talked about music? I'll I'll give a quick music recommendation. Let's go for it. Uh, Run the Jewels, which is a band that has a couple of iconic music videos. We just released a new album. It's very... Uh, if you like hip-hop and rap, it's very uh, fun. And I think it's very like uh, present to what's happening in the world right now. So it's a very relevant album. Run the Jewels? Run the Jewels, yeah. It's the band name. And I've never even heard of them. What? No way. No. If I played you a couple of their songs, I'll play it after this. You'll, you'll, you'll recognize it. You can't them. play it now because there'll be copyright infringement yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Up. The DMCA we request sing is already it badly, happening. maybe, at the beginning of the... Uh, oh, it's that kind of... Okay. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the album is called uh, RTJ4. So okay. Run the Jewels 4, I think, is their fourth Run album. Run the Jewels 4. Very Did you cool. have one, though? 
Huh? Did you have one? You look like you're about to. I'll save it for next time. I don't oh, want to waste end steps, man. That yeah, was a good, a good one. That's a good point. Yeah. A good point. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Big thanks to our editing, graphics, and logistics team, which is Ashlyn Rose, Craig Blanchett, Manson Lung, Lady Danger, Jake Boss, Josh Murphy, Alfred Estaca, and Sam Waldo. And special thanks, as always, to Jeffrey Palmer. You can find him on Twitter at LivingCardsMTG. He's doing the living backgrounds behind us here on set, and they start and end our show at YouTube.com slash The Command Zone Podcast. So big thanks, as always, Jeff. Thank you, Jeffrey. And thank you, everybody out there, for watching. And we'll see you next time. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs>